Namaste. Welcome to the Indian Wellness Podcast by Vitality Hours. Here we talk about all things wellness from the great Indian sciences, Ayurveda and astrology to natural beauty, alternate medicine, holistic healing and a whole lot more. Join Carol and me Nadia as we explore the best tools and practices that ensure you look good, live better and feel great. Welcome to the Indian Wellness Podcast by Vitality Hours. Is the vegan diet actually wrecking your gut? Come, let's understand veganism a little bit more from the Ayurvedic lens with Nidhi Pandya, who's a third generation Ayurvedic practitioner based out of New York. Her practice is steeped on her learnings from ancient Ayurvedic texts, psychology, and Eastern philosophy. She believes in empowering people to understand their bodies better so as to feel the freedom that comes from feeling well. So Nithi, there is this belief around Ayurveda that it promotes strict vegetarianism. But what many don't know, that there are ancient texts in Ayurveda, like Acharak Samhita, that talk about meat broths and others as part of healing Rasayanas for the body. What is your take on this? So listen, in fact, all of Ayurveda, it does not, it does not take a religious stand, right? So the whole reason why people believe that Ayurveda is vegetarian is because a lot of people either enter into Ayurveda through yoga, which is a science, which is a spiritual science, mm-hmm. and that encourages vegetarianism because you're in a spiritual path. Mm-hmm. Secondly, because Hinduism at some point became this, it was influenced by other religions, mm-hmm. and the Vedic the Vedic texts, which actually traditionally have nothing to do with Hinduism, kind of got aligned with Hinduism and it became a religion. And then it got confusing for people because they think, oh, because Hindus are vegetarian means Vedas are vegetarian, which is not true, right? I am a vegetarian by choice. That's a different story. Um, But the texts talk about eating for whatever nourishes your body. And if meat nourishes your body, there is mention of meat. There are certain body types that need meat, certain disease conditions that need meat. And then there's also also alternatives to that. Is being vegan an alternative, according to Ayurveda, from whatever I can understand and decipher in the text? It is not, right? Because our body replicates so there's a very important concept in Ayurveda, the, probably the most important principle called the Samanya Vishesha Siddhant, which means like will increase like and the opposite will kind of subside it. So which means if you want to build human cells and we are mammals, we are, you need, you actually unfortunately need some animal product. If you want that cell to nourish you till the end of your life, if you want that same, the same kind of cellular regeneration, right? And that's why ghee is called jivanya, Mm -hmm. right? It comes from this essential, the closest, right? The mother's milk and the cow's milk. And the ghee is the essence of the cow's milk. Mm -hmm. And that is considered to be one of the most important substances. Now, as we see, right, when we hit our menopause, when we, uh, there's so much estrogen and, uh, you know, there's so much imbalance, right? Mm-hmm. And that's your reproductive tissue. And there's plant life cannot get all the way, cannot nourish the reproductive tissue. The shukra dhatu, the way in Ayurveda that's explained, it's the last tissue. Shukra means reproductive tissue. It's the last tissue that's get, that gets fed. And only if that gets fed well, when all the tissues get fed, that's when you can get ojas or the essential life force vitality. And uh, plant life, unfortunately, does not have the same level 
of capacity to go through all your seven tissues mm -hmm. in that manner. Interesting. But that being said, I always tell people that, listen, if you've chosen to go vegan for a spiritual cause because you don't want to hurt animal life, I think kudos to you, right? Because your body will anyways perish one way or the other. And um, and your soul actually, in my belief, will move on to another, you know, will take on another body. So if you're doing it for a social, uh, for, a, for a cause of your soul or your spiritual cause, go ahead. But then I often tell people, but if you're actually practicing ahimsa or non-violence for your soul, do not judge another's choice to go vegan or not, because that by itself, again, is is violence. Mm -hmm. When you are harsh on others to pick your choice, sure. you're kind of beating the purpose. Nidhi, what's your take on red meat? Because red meat, again, is vilified in so many nutrition circles, and there's always opinions on how much one can consume um, and all of that. Um, what people don't realize or... Maybe they do, but this is separate altogether because we're looking at it at this from an Ayurvedic lens, correct? So, Charak Samhita, which is one of the celebrated ancient Ayurvedic texts, actually talks about meat uh, being uh, building for the body, toning for the body, and also in certain cases helps to build wisdom and intellect. So, what is your take on consumption of red meat? And um, if you do recommend it, then how much is the right amount? How frequently? And now that is a question that depends on person to person, right? But mamsa dhatu or your muscle tissue, right? So for people who are depleted in their complete muscle tissue, mamsa mm dhatu -hmm. is recommended. Mamsa dhatu is, is meat, mm -hmm. right? And my first principle, I said like increases like. So if yes. you're depleted in muscle tissue, then you have meat and that increases your muscle tissue. Of course, meat, meat is vilified today because of how processed it is, because how the animals are fed, how the animals are treated, which is also a part of it, right? Because in Ayurveda, all the diseases begin at, in your mind. The first sutra in the Ashtangudayam Ancharak opened with Ragadi Rogan. That's the first sutra. And what it says is all diseases begin with desire, lust, anger, fear, etc., etc., etc. Right? So if an animal is in tremendous torture and pain, then it's a considered a diseased animal. And when you're going to consume the meat from a diseased animal, already who's not nourished and not lived a happy life, you're consuming diseased meat. Sure. So the, that's why the argument is a little bit more complicated. Mm -hmm. When you talked about back in the day when the population was not so much and there was abundance of meat, as the, at the same time, these animals were bred for kings and, you know, reared for kings and uh, they were treated well. And, you know, there was, a, there was an honor in the slaughter as well. It was very differently. So now that goes into a whole, a deeper argument. But for simplicity's sake, yes, meat soups, if you can get a good quality, you know, non-processed meat soup for the extra depleted who have the agni, who have the digestive fire to take it. Yes, sure. It is recommended as a part of the diet for that. This brings us to the pertinent question. Can a vegan diet lead to certain deficiencies? Because there is a lot of speculation around this, specifically when it comes to certain vitamins such as B12, uh, iron and calcium as well. What are your thoughts on this? So you know what happens again, right? So the, so the problem with veganism is that we have this amazing probiotic environment in our gut. And it's this, like I said again, it's where does bacteria grow in the world? Wherever it's warm and moist, and it's this environment. A lot of the way people choose their vegan foods, right? Where people eat either a lot of bread, suddenly a lot of raw foods. Mm -hmm. The kind of foods that are chosen are kind of imbalanced. And because of that, the gut is kind of loses its natural environment. Mm -hmm. 
when it loses its natural environment doesn't matter you may sow hundred seeds and if your land is not fertile nothing is going to grow in the wrong you can go to the desert you can go to the desert and plant a hundred seeds nothing is going to grow you essentially become like that you can put in whatever you want whether it's vitamins whether it's minerals it's not going to synthesize the way it's supposed to. Your body is not going to absorb it and not going to be able to use it. When you make wrong food choices, exactly. but you can also so make right food, food choices. Choice, you can, but your food choices become very important. It, just because you're vegan doesn't mean you're essentially healthier. It does not mean. In fact, for a lot of people, it's not healthier because they you choose a lot of raw. Yeah, and there's certain foods that, you know, that I would say if you're, if you're going vegan sure. and you're doing it, there's certain foods you must include in your diet. Tell us three things. Uh, so I would tell you, so for example, make sure you have enough coconut oil. Make okay. sure you can have some sesame seeds in, in cold months. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're doing a lot of sweet potatoes. Make sure you're using some fats. Almonds. Almonds is mm -hmm. great, okay. right? Rice. Mm -hmm. uh, and rice spice is something foods. a lot of people avoid. So you're saying yeah. rice is a great consumption item for somebody who's vegan. Absolutely. Rice, coconut, almonds, uh, good fats, spices, sweet potatoes, lentils. Make sure you have all then of again, this. And again, just keep it simple. Don't deprive yourselves of anything. Don't just pick one or two food groups True. and go all gung-ho. Don't mm -hmm. just pick bread and and salads. salads. I mean, that's yes. what I see essentially happening, at least in the West. You go vegan, suddenly all you're eating is, is big salads and little bread and then you're constipated and you're, you're anxious and you have insomnia because your body has become fully dry like a desert mm -hmm. and which is vata and then you're just insomnia, anxiety, dryness, missing periods, sense. all of it. Thank you. That makes perfect sense. So my last question today is, is milk a daily consumption item for you? For me personally, absolutely yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and um, hot always. The only one time cool milk is indicated is after after intercourse, a man can actually have a glass of cold milk. Only the man. Only the man to kind of replenish. He's the one who loses ejaculate. He's oh. the one who loses uh, the semen, mm -hmm. and that kind of goes directly to nourish that, right? Uh, but beyond that, um, it's always hot milk, it's always spiced. On like a hot summer day, no? Then, no you, then you put cardamom in your milk and you make it maybe warm and not uh, not cold. But it's never cold. I mean, okay. if you're going to have cold milk, it cannot be broken down. The mother's I milk... I like cold milk, so no cold milk. Who doesn't? <laughs> Nadia, who doesn't? I mean, it's delicious, right? Yes. It doesn't mean it's healthy at all. Like the mother's milk also comes warm, mm -hmm. right? It's just, it's that's its natural that's the way. Exactly that's it, The protein cannot be broken down well unless it's warm in the milk. Okay. And that's what makes it hard. But of course, the right quality. There's no ideal milk anymore in the world. But with the best you can get, grass-fed, non-homogenized, not ultra-pasteurized. And in India, if it's indigenous, and A2. A2, you're, you're set. Getting yeah. Perfect, okay. Thank you, Nidhi. Thank you for your unique insight on veganism. Thank you for your time. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. Uh, do check out our other episodes with Nidhi on Ayurveda and how it views the Ayurvedic plate, demystifying doshas and Ayurveda on men's health.